0: XV Planets as part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. Through the darkness of future past... The magician longs to see one chance out between two words fire,
1: walk with me.
2: Nami Svet
0: Welcome to Spirit Geeks and X Venus Now let's rock Welcome to X V Planers. Friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. Welcome back to XV Planis. I am your host, Flood, and with me on this Twin Geeks dive again, Beth is back in the studio with me. Say hi, Beth.
2: Hi, Beth. God damn it.
0: (laughs) Why do I always set myself up Uh for that? I think it's inherent at this point. (laughs) So, last time we were doing this, we uh, we were closing out on some of the more esoteric things that go on in Twin Peaks, like diving into receiving communications from... Other planes of existence and things like that. And um we had a couple more on that list that we were gonna get to, but we're gonna we're gonna pull the brakes on those just for a minute because we're not gonna get too far into season three just yet. That is its own whole umbrella of insanity. And um I think I've seen it too many times to count at this point, and I think I'm losing my mind.
2: That's <laughs> Sort of there should be a, a disclaimer on these that PS you're gonna lose little bits and pieces of your mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh at this point we're we're picking up and we're talking uh a little bit more about the symbolism that's in the show. And uh one thing that you and I came to to you know decide that we need to focus on is the concept of ritual, because this keeps showing up in each season. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the, the, the first time that we could consider seeing, like, a ritual being performed on the show would have been the Tibet thing, right? With Well, it Cooper. depends on
2: if you think about uh, Fire Walk With Me, because the ritual of the mound at Laura's death.
0: Right? right, yes. It depends
2: on what order you watch things.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit. What was that all about? Like, I, I never really fully understood that. And, uh, you know. Noted, we're going to have some people who are way more versed in uh, occultism come in and talk to us about some of that. But as far as the mound of dirt and the ring being ever so gently placed on it, it was significant. But I, s- I have yet to be able to figure out why, you know?
2: Yeah. Yep. Well, and the necklace was there, too.
0: It was a necklace. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so, I. yeah, I can't explain that other than it just it it triggered for me ritual there's something ritualistic about this um so yeah i don't understand the the meaning of it um other than and we talked a little bit about this but the concept of sacrifice
0: right which definitely comes into play when we're thinking about laura
2: so is this tied in with with that concept that maybe she was a sacrifice and this is the I don't know. Is there a ritualistic mound associate? I've never done one, so I can't say. But
0: I've done plenty of rituals, and some of them have involved dirt, but uh, never in such a way. However, I have never done any negative magic.
2: Disclosure, <laughs> <laughs> or, sorry, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. Yes,
0: I've I've never done anything sinister with my magical abilities. I can yeah. promise you that. So I, you know, I don't know. That's that's one that always stuck out to me, and much. Like with a lot of Twin Peaks, Lynch was brilliant at delivering those those last momentary scenes and episodes that you know hold an incredible amount of weight and significance. But it's Lynch; he never lays it all out for you. Which is why we're here, twenty-five year, you know, we're, well, at this point, no, like twenty-seven, 27 years, years after the fucking show first aired. Still talking about it. Yeah. And
2: still waking up at 3 a.m. like, I think I have a, a theory on this. uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or every time you watch it, you see something new, too. At least I, I do.
0: No, that's true. And I, I think you'll agree that, you know, the older we get, the more we learn about the world. Uh, uh-huh. You see a whole lot more that's lying underneath the surface. Yeah. Like, y- you could take the Tibet bit with Cooper and the rocks and, and throwing them at the glass as, like – you know, the first time that I watched it, I thought, well, this is just ridiculous. And the second time I watched it, by that point, I learned a little bit about esoteric knowledge. I was like, well, hey, that's interesting. But the third time I watched it, I'm like, what the fuck is really going on here? But, you know, he, he never lays it out for us, so we got to figure it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, there were a couple of other ritualistic things that we we added to to the list. Um, the sycamore trees, right? The The circle of sycamores that... Um, indicate that you're getting close to the entrance of the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, significance of sycamore trees themselves, um, or of the circle? Thoughts?
0: Wasn't there? Was there twelve sycamore trees? Mm-hmm. It was twelve. Yep. There is something to that, and 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 again, like this is another one that we're going to have to to drag out a friend of mine who knows a lot more about the occult and rituals than than I do, um, for that matter, we should look into the significance of, of, is there any druid or esoteric connection to sycamore trees? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the obvious link is um, kind of stated in the name of the place because they called it Glastonbury Grove, mm-hmm. which is a fabled final resting place of King Arthur. And um, I'm not really sure how that one comes into play. Maybe there's some subtle hints about the Holy Grail or Excalibur being brought into the mix.
2: Hmm. I don't remember anything. I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember any significance of either of those two things. But again, another thread to pull some more research to do. Mm.
1: <laughs>
0: this is this is going to be like a five-year research project.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and hey, if anybody in the, the Discord <clears throat> channel has any thoughts on that too, please write Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. So, so for those of you who are part of the XV Planis discord channel, there is an ongoing thread on uh, twin geeks under magic in the media, please come and join us. And if you would like access to the discord, uh, you know, email us at XV at gmail.com and tell me why I should give you access because I don't pass it out to everybody. Uh, but if you want to get involved in this conversation and you're a fan of the show, we'd certainly like to hear from you and hear your input. Um, By no means are we experts on this stuff. Yes. Yes. But by the end of this, we will probably... Yeah, we'll probably be published authors going on tours talking about this shit if it doesn't destroy our minds first.
2: PhD (laughs) biatches.
0: Excuse me, that's biatch, please. Sorry, sorry. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: So the sycamore trees... The one thing that stands out to me is the significance of like magic circle. Yeah, you know, often used in magician or occult practices. You set yourself up with an an area of protection, or in this case, mm-hmm. it was an area of trans, uh, transcendentalism. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're moving from one reality to the other yep. within this circle. So yeah, let's let's peel back a little bit more about. I'll do some research on what sycamore trees are. Again, if anyone out there listening has any knowledge of this, hit us up. Let us know. Mm-hmm. We might even drag you on the show to talk about it. And so, then the
2: charred motor oil, too, is another one, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. how does that – because, right, that was in the middle of the grove, and you, you essentially had to walk. Nobody went into it, but they walked by it.
0: So, yeah, and then the curtains would open. Yeah. yeah. So the charred motor oil um, – I can't I can't name a specific for it, but this is similar to other paranormal and esoteric experiences uh, in the sense that when when people have encountered Bigfoot or say they have, they there is a very, very potent, pungent smell of sulfur. Mm When people have encountered UFOs, there's this really, really pungent smell of like burnt cinnamon and, um, yeah, yeah. like, uh, an overwhelming, um, level of cinnamon. So uh, all of these weird things, uh, they, they tack, they, they tap into all of your senses and not every one of them is the same. Each one of them seems to have their own feel of weight in the air and their own, uh, smells and, um, the uh oh, the uh taste. Taste seems to be a big thing. Like the smells are so dense that you can taste feel it on your palate, you know, which is just I'm thinking about eating a spoonful of cinnamon. Right here. Oh, oh, oh god. Um But yeah, the um the burnt motor oil, as log lady said, is that that this is a lubricant or a, a passage between two worlds. Mm-hmm. And while they never really describe what specifically that substance was, they only describe the smell, which is burnt motor oil. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have no idea. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Another one to, to, to think on. Um, but like you said, it, that would just be almost too on the nose that the lubricant to help you transfer yeah. between two worlds. But
0: maybe it was supposed to be that way. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Log Lady definitely stated that is like my mm-hmm. husband said that this uh this substance was a bridge between two worlds mm-hmm. which always stuck with me
2: got to but- get lubed up before you go to the black lodge like that because
1: just-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't want to go in dry no
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, God. God.
2: Sorry, team. Uh, No, no, no. I look
0: no at this point, everybody who's listening to this show knows me and knows my perverse sense of humor. They expect things like this. It's it's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) You don't go into the black lodge dry, that's for sure. (laughs) 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 Yikes. Which, Which has some seriously funnier connotations to it when you think about where the black lodge came from. Alistair Crowley, Power Bottom of the Year. <laughs>
2: power Bottom. That's so on the, the cover of the magazine. The Power Bottom of the Year, the award.
0: <laughs> have you have you never heard about that? No. Though? Oh God! All right. So so I'm gonna we'll get into that here in a minute because we're gonna we're gonna come back to them. Um, now the next item that you had on this list was the the setting of the Black Lodge, <laughs> the floor and the curtains, and. I one hundred percent agree that there is some serious significance to this, but I'm not really sure what it is mm-hmm. yet. Although I think some of what you brought up earlier from uh, that that link that you shared with mm-hmm. me is probably going to explain a little bit more of that. Do you want to you want to bring that up for a moment?
2: Yeah. So I, as I shared earlier, like. <laughs> Synchronicity is everything, right? So I'm listening to another one of my uh, favorite podcasts. It's actually the Higher Side Chats, Greg Carlwood. And he is interviewing uh, Isaac Wiseout. And Isaac is talking about symbolism, uh, occult symbolism in the media, and he brings up Saturn. So of course my ears perk up because that was on our on our list. There's the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter that they mention in Twin Peaks as right. being a time of it's, it's an opening. That's how the the portal and the gateway opens. And um, as he's talking about, he would actually written a couple of articles about this, and he brings up the colors black and red. So of course I I you know my interest peaks a little bit more. Um, so it is it's tied to. Um, satanic ritual and um yeah i i think just based on what we know about lynch in the last 20 some odd years that's definitely not the path that he's on but uh he is showing us right we're seeing sacrifice in the form of of laura Mm
1: -hmm. potentially
2: um we're seeing this black and red which is indication of um of satanism um and uh the occult and there's just, there's so much symbolism in this show. To me, it means that, that Lynch is is showing it to us, not necessarily saying, hey, this is what I like to do with my free time. How about you? But uh, be mindful that this is um, more a nature of reality than you'd like to think that it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially like you start diving into Satanism and, and that's, that's what perks my ears up because you, you know me, like I'm kind of on my own path to studying occultism things like that. Mm-hmm. And what you come to find out that like satanism, quote unquote, yeah. Not really as sinister as you think. Not not really. Like there's a difference between satanism and devil worshipers, right. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Cuz like have you ever uh, read up on like the the uh satanic temple? No. Church of Satanic Temple. Oh my God, they're so great. They're amazing. They they are truly a force to be reckoned with in the sense that they fight for um, people's rights, for women's rights, for LGBTQ rights. Like, they've really put themselves out there. So Satanism in a modern sense is actually more of an agnostic philosophy of uh be who you are and let's accept everyone for who you are mm-hmm. as opposed to the darker sense of human sacrifice and things like that
1: yeah yeah
0: um because you talk to anybody who calls themselves a satanist there they're like yeah I do rituals it's usually like you know drinking wine having pizza with the guys on <laughs>
2: yeah real dark shit real real dark, dark real dark shit. shit well I'm not conjuring anything or you know using somebody okay here I'm trying to get to the um The 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 black and the red. Um, This one's actually talking a lot about the black cube, Um, the brotherhood of Saturn, uh, and again, it it just triggered me because of of David's mention, or not David, but the script's mention and the story's mention of of the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Um, So the brotherhood um, of Saturn is actually more what this is referring to, Um, and there is a little bit about Crowley in here as well. Um, Saturn worship going back to 600 BC with the Greek poet Hesiod's Work *In Days, discussing the various ages of man. One of the ages was referred to as the Golden Age. The Golden Age was referenced in several prominent ancient cultures, similar to how the cultures would adopt each other's gods and rename them. The ancient Romans worshipped the god Saturnus, who was the god of agriculture and time, and his reign was known as the time of golden age at peace and harmony. The Greek god that was the same as Saturnus was Cronus, the youngest of the Titans. The Carthaginian god Baal, or Moloch, was the same god and devoured children similar to Cronos who ate children. Hmm. Um, So it's the Cain and Abel, um, the concept of of Satan, Saturn devouring children is seen in many classic works of art. Um, So uh, again, I just, I think that this is Lynch's way of showing us um, that this is uh, prevalent, not necessarily that this is Uh, obviously the right way to live your life but that
0: it's still there it's
2: the dark and the light it's the duality as we talked about earlier right Mm -hmm. so you have to know that this exists in order to understand
0: the counterbalance of yeah yeah Yeah.
2: um so and and it also if you look at the the characters in the black lodge not all of them are there to wreak havoc and create chaos right the one-armed man is in there right um you know there's 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 people within that dimension that are helping Helpful characters.
0: Yeah, the fireman being one of them. Yep. Uh, at times, the man from another place. Yeah. The arm, if yeah. you will. Um, which uh, I – this also kind of goes back to the whole routine of, like, whenever the Black Lodge is first mentioned and Hawk starts talking about it mm-hmm. and how his people had – you have the Black Lodge and the White Lodge. Um, I think through the course of the show, it, it essentially shows you that they're one and the same. They are the same place. Mm-hmm. And it's the intentions of the entities that live there that yeah. determine what your experience is going to be and also the intention of the person trying to go in there.
2: Mm.
0: Now, speaking of synchronicities, before we move forward, <coughs> excuse me, you want to hear a really freaky one?
2: I love these. Yes.
0: So you said ball, right?
2: I said ball.
0: Yeah. That when you were talking. About, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 B-A-A-L, not okay. B-A-L-L. Okay. Yeah.
2: I'm like, did I talk about balls? No.
0: <laughs> ball. 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 Yeah. Uh, somebody told me that that's who we're going to be coming face to face with at the Sally house.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. You sure? you want to? Oh.
0: Yeah, no, I am supposed to go there.
2: I know you're supposed to go there and it's calling you and it's drawing you, but it's a trap. <laughs> wow.
0: It really is a trap. No, like the guy I've been talking to is like, it's, you, you are totally, be- it's, it's a trap. But we got this. I can. I can. It's like sh-
2: a siren singing to you. Um, mm-hmm. It very much is. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. So if this ends up being the last episode because I end up getting consumed by the house, at least my ghost will be at the Sally House, and y'all can well, come and visit me.
2: It'll just be a f- like the fractal holographic version of you, right? Can you just <laughs> split that off and let that go to the Sally House, and the, the real you just stay here?
0: Uh, but seriously, that's creepy that you you bring that up because mm. that was just pointed out to me like yesterday. Yeah. That's pretty heavy yeah uh, I fear not
2: I know I know you're prote- well, I'm, every protection ritual you could possibly do you're going to be doing oh yeah. oh yeah okay. yeah
0: no I've got protection rituals uh, a friend of mine is bringing is sending me a couple of devices to help ensure safety and make okay. sure nothing follows us home but the most important thing is is that I am not afraid and this place feeds off of fear mm. so um I'm probably gonna end up getting the results that like Dr Sean Daly did when he went which was kind of like... Cool. I'm here to take some readings. Yep. We'll see what happens. Just
2: passing through. <laughs> not going to stay. Not going to hang out.
0: I am the Peter Venkman in this <gasps> scenario. So there is no way that it's going to get the better of me. Nope. Nope. Oh, Zuli, Zuli, Zuli. Mm. You've been a bad monkey.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. But the so <laughs> there is no Jesus here. Um, but yeah, so that is fascinating. And, um, could, could you repeat the name of, of the guy that you referenced again yes, for our listeners?
2: Isa- and I'll spell it because it is a little interesting. It's Wisop, W-I, hold up. Too many things opening at once. Um, well, his website is IlluminatiWatcher.com. <laughs> Isn't it great? And yeah, his I name it. is Isaac Weisopt, W-E-I-S-H-A-U-P-T. And this actually put it in your show show links. Also.
0: Yeah, I will. Uh, I will um, put the link. This one's for... from
2: 2014. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, again, I just I, I like because this is not um, something that I I dove into very much myself. So uh, it's just interesting reading someone else's thoughts who is obviously um, more. Um, adept at this sort of thing. So, he, and there was actually a great conjunction in um, on December twenty first, twenty twenty, of Jupiter and Saturn. So that was supposed to have opened up many, many things. So uh, almost a year ago, this was. It was a conjunction that hadn't happened since like fifteen hundred or something. Yeah, so. I remember that. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a there's a lot of talk about it uh, within the the sub communities that I'm a part of. But mm-hmm. at that point, I'm I didn't really understand what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. But boy, do I! Get it now. Get it now. Yeah, you we're know. living it now. Um.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whether we want to or not. Whether I well, want
0: to. Well,
1: that's the thing. Like how not.
2: much of this is premonition um, about the – I think a lot of the media is preparatory, right? A lot of things that come out that we don't necessarily understand. Matrix, for instance, that was preparatory.
0: Uh, I think the more recent wave of uh, films about UFOs actually are are preparatory as well. Um, Arrival being a prime example of it. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. Oh. Arrival? Yeah. With, uh, I was Jeremy Renner and, uh, Amy Adams.
2: Oh, maybe I did. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't of, really.
0: About the aliens who spoke in a language that transcended time. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was also a lot to wrap your head around, but I mean, it, yeah, in the last, Like, since 2017, since the story in the New York Times broke about us admitting that, yes, there are fucking UFOs out there Mm -hmm. and we have no idea what these things are, we're starting to see a shift in consciousness and the way that it's being portrayed in media. Yeah.
2: It's not a scare. I think that was the thing. Like, they had to wait almost until – you know, the world worlds, it scared the bejesus out of everybody. It's going to be almost like a a terror event. So you had the – you you – made the entire population of the world shit themselves <laughs> in anticipation of this thing happening. See, then you had to E.T., you make them a little friendlier, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, all right, now let's let's make it a bit more gentle and, and, and get everybody ready for this. Because obviously it's been happening for as long as yeah, men have been alive. It is definitely um,
0: going to come, come around. I, I honestly believe that in our lifetime, you and me, we're going to get yeah. 100% confirmation of – Life on other planets or multidimensional beings.
2: But I don't want it from the government. I just don't because I don't believe anything that they say uh, in relation to this. So because they've been hiding it for so effing long. like You hide Area 51 enough. I'm not going to believe anything that you have to tell me. So if the disclosure comes from the Navy, I'm not listening.
0: Well, that's that's it. Like all of that stuff didn't really come from the Navy. It came from some whistleblowers who pulled it out and threw it out into the the open. So it was like. Jeremy Corbell and yeah. Luis Elizondo, who used to work for AIT, but he yeah. bailed because they wouldn't give him the opportunity to share it with mm-hmm, the world, and mm-hmm. so he was like, "Fuck y'all, I'm out." I'm out. And now here we are in the middle of this boom of information, and now the sights, the sightings of the, your average human being <laughs> seeing a UFO are now
1: skyrocketing. I know.
2: Well, I think the there's no shame in it now, right? Like, there was this, oh, you're a weirdo if you saw that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I have family that won't talk about it because they were. You know, I'm scared of being judged about it. And now I'm sure they're much more comfortable saying, oh, yeah, I've seen that stuff. Yeah, stigma um, so is fading. Yeah, that's finally. True. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> oh, let's talk about hand gestures, right? Where, where we're talking about rituals. So Laura in the lodge with her. Oh, it's like when I first saw it, I was like, is she advertising hand lotion?
0: Right. Right. It exactly. Looks <laughs> it's, it's like
2: Dawn has the power to cut grease. Right.
0: Yes, Exactly. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's maple (laughs) It
2: it looks very, or her face doesn't do it, but it is this sort of very calm, yeah.
0: But it seemed, um, it seemed very deliberate. Yes. And, um, again, you know, I threw it out on the Discord server and, uh, uh, Luxa, which by the way, huge shout out to Luxa Strata and Luxa Cult Podcast and the Green Mushroom Project. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, Luxa has suggested that I look into uh Hindu um not mantras, uh ma- madras? Madras. Okay. I might be saying that wrong. Please don't write hate mail for it. We're all learning here. Um but in Hindu dance there's often a lot of very specific mm. gestures made. So I'm I'm gonna cross reference that and I haven't had a chance to since the studio crashed. Which, by the way, folks, sorry this episode is taking so long to come out, but the studio literally did crash. It's all going to be fine. Um... But they suggested that, that we look into that because those certain gestures might mean certain things. So I'm going to do a little bit of research into okay. that. And I actually have some friends who are into traditional uh, Hindu folk dance and also belly dancing. I'm going to reach out to them, see if they have any input on right what on. those specific gestures might mean.
2: Right on. Okay. I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. Um, no, and again, that also, here we go, tying it back into Crowley again. Mm-hmm is that a lot of those uh, gestures and a lot of the the symbolism of ritual in general and the origin of the Black Lodge itself comes from a book called Moonchild by Alistair Crowley. Power bottom of the year. Uh, I say power bottom of the year, and now I can get into that. Um, Whenever... Whenever Crowley started his own magical school of thought and, like, leaning towards Thelema and all this stuff, like, he, he was convinced that sex magic was, like, definitely a part of mm-hmm. harnessing that energy, focusing it, and pushing it out, and <laughs> pulling it in.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the... The basic rundown of it is that, uh, you know, during the time that uh, Crowley was alive, uh, homosexuality was, I mean, you you could probably be killed, killed for it. it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so he had to keep all of this secret and silent. But he tricked his assistant in, into sodomizing him.
1: Hmm.
0: Tricked his assistant into sodomizing Crowley. So he he got on all fours and just took it like a champ. And since then, anytime you read about sex magic with Aleister Crowley, it always ends with him ass up.
2: (laughs) God. (laughs) I mean, not to touch any of those books. That's a visual I don't want in my Uh,
0: head. No, you don't. Him flabby just.
2: Nope, nope, stop, stop.
0: And apparently he was silent the whole time. Like just. Oh. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh (laughs) But um, the concept of the Black Lodge did actually originate in this book, Moonchild by Alistair Crowley, which uh, technically was a novel, like a a work of fiction, but he was, he was working magic rituals into that. he was, that was the basis for the story. And when you read the book, when these people get to the Black Lodge, they are met with a uh, um, a small man who loves to dance.
2: Mm. Check.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a beautiful woman who is in tragedy. Check. Laura. Wow. And a man full of pure hatred. Bob. Bob. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's a lot more to that. I'm still in the middle of reading it. It's dense because it's written in old English, so it takes mm-hmm. a lot out of you to try to read it. But I want to revisit that a little bit more once I get through that book and once I give it to you and give you a chance yeah. to read it, so we can uh, tackle that a little bit more.
2: Well, I'd put there so we can actually post a link to the there's the online version of it, right? That was like a PDF, so we can. Oh, maybe, was it? Yeah, okay. um, that was in my original notes. So let's put that into the show notes so um, others can can also take a look at that.
0: Done. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now that also, uh, folds into, so bringing up Moonchild and the black lodge stuff, we're talking about rituals. This is where it starts to like the, this starts to seep into reality here. Uh, because are you familiar with the Babylon rituals at all? No. Good old L Ron Hubbard. Oh, food. fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> He got involved with Jack Parsons.
1: Oh.
0: You know, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that is a whole fucking story in itself, yeah. and, and we'll get into that some other time when we're not actually talking about Twin Peaks.
2: Well, and that's in the big book. Too. I call it the big book, but that's in yeah. the, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Frost's The the Twin Peaks. The
0: secret history of Twin secret Peaks. The secret history, yeah. yeah. They, so,
2: bring in, uh, uh, yep. they bring
0: in Jack Parsons. They bring in the Babylon ritual, which the purpose of that... Was to create the Scarlet Woman, which in Revelation is the uh, the woman who will essentially bring forth the Antichrist, will give birth to the Antichrist. And so Jogging? L. Ron Hubbard oh. and Jack Parsons started oh, yeah. doing this ritual. Okay, now
2: I remember. Yes, thank you, thank you.
0: And then after the ritual was yeah. completed, after 11 days of doing this ritual, they finally give themselves a break, they go to the beach, they enjoy themselves for a day, and when they come back... <laughs> Oopsie! There is this red-headed woman standing on their doorstep, yeah. waiting to be involved in these magical mm-hmm, practices. Mm-hmm. I still need to do research on how in the hell she found out about them and how this all came to be, but apparently this is what happened. And uh, this woman was a... Brilliant artist, actually, in her own right. And
1: uh
2: ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm. so uh ooh, the ooh, red ooh. dress the Live with Live with the blue rose um from uh Firewalk Fire Walk me. with Me. Oh. oh right? She's doing the weird dance. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, we need to pull on that thread. Yeah, right wonder- write that one uh-huh, down because uh-huh. we're
0: we're definitely gonna be tackling it.
2: Live, right? Wasn't that her name? Liv. He's trying to 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 um make she's
0: my mother's sister's girl,
2: yeah, and it's all like <laughs> gestures and and she's trying to um it's it's uh chris um oh my gosh, the other agent um um
0: oh god uh Chris, Isaac. chris, chris Isaac. Isaac's yeah. character, which yeah. i fucking loved, and I, I wish know. we would have gotten more of him to be I honest
2: know. I know. But yeah, so he's trying to get him Kiefer to pay Sutherland attention. Is most awkward young ever, <laughs> he is. But they're trying to to um, to pay attention to the symbols that she's giving them. Right, it was almost like a test for them. But yeah, live. Let's look up. Um, I'm making a note. Right, meow.
0: Marjorie Cameron was her name. Marjorie Cameron was, and she's mentioned in the, the secret uh, history of Twin Peaks too. Okay. Uh, but she was the scarlet woman who showed up on their doorstep. And from there, this kicked off weeks and weeks of really, really intense sex magic rituals mm. where they were essentially trying to impregnate her with the Antichrist. Good times.
2: Good times. Oh well, and is that so? I, I know it's, it's a season three. But the birth sequence, right, where Bob is being born, the Jowde thing, is that – you think that's tied in somehow? I – Birthing the Antichrist, because Bob's pretty close. I mean, if you had to define the Antichrist in human form, it would be Bob, at least to me.
0: I – know, it would be Mr. C.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: So, so if Bob Bob would be the devil, Mr. C would be the seed of the devil, okay. so to speak. Interesting.
2: It's a progeny. Okay. Hmm. I, know. I know. Sorry. And I know we cheated. We just went into season three.
0: Um, oh, no. All yeah, we'll, right. We'll try to refrain from that, but we're going to have to reference it every once in a okay,
2: while. Okay. So the Babylon course. thing, you just talked about that. Now, what is CE5 protocols?
0: Ah, ah CE5 protocols. Okay. Um. First, we're, we got to talk about uh, Hynek's scale of Close Encounters. Okay. Um, So CE5 stands for Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, Mm -hmm. and the, the scale goes as,
1: hold, hold,
0: there we go. So Close Encounters of the First Kind are visual sightings of an unidentified flying object. Um, Close Encounters of the Second Kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. Uh, This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, uh, physiological effects such as paralysis or heat or discomfort in the witness, some physical trace like impressions on the ground, Mm. scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or a chemical trace. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is a great movie, but Mm. what it actually means is UFO encounters in which an animated Moving entity is present. These include humanoids, androids, and humans that seem to be occupants or pilots of UFOs. Close encounters of the fourth kind are abductions, and close encounters of the fifth kind are human-initiated. Yeah, so it's it's human-initiated contact of UFOs, and it it, it involves this. Okay. For those of you out there who know what I'm talking about, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now, and some of you are probably going to turn me off when I say this, and if so, you know what? Good, you don't belong here. But fuck Dr. Stephen Greer. He's full of shit. He just wants your money. And he did not come up with the CE5 protocols, even though he is making tons of money off of this shit right now. If you want to trace that back to anybody, you can trace it back to John Keel during his time when he was doing the Mothman prophecies. Mm. Because the UFO that he and Mary Heyer encountered on the ferry was, that's exactly what it was. Like, they both had a sense that there was something there. They look up, they see a UFO, and they literally are just trying to project their thoughts to it, like, come down, come down, come Mm. down. And then John Keel pulls out his flashlight, and in Morse code, types out, descend, descend. And then the UFO starts descending in that falling leaf motion, mm-hmm. which rarely gets captured. Mm-hmm. And um, so CE-5 protocols are human beings trying to trigger an mm-hmm. experience or, uh, or a visit. And I think there's subtle hints of that throughout the course of Twin Peaks, especially when you start talking about um, Major Briggs, mm-hmm. Project Blue Book. There was a lot going on there,
2: but was there, and I'm trying to remember now that you've said this, were there any instances of Briggs or others trying to proactively uh trigger or bring about a uFO experience? It seemed to me like they were just sort of waiting for it to happen
0: yeah okay yeah you're you're right you're you're absolutely right they didn't.
2: So they weren't doing rituals to trigger or to bring one about, if that is a CE five. Not that I remember, unless. Ooh, yep, you got something.
0: Yeah. Um. Before. Uh. Again, we're jumping ahead a little bit to season three, or actually, we're talking about the spaces in between season three. Yeah. Um. Briggs, I believe that he went out. That's when he went missing. Is he went out to directly communicate with something, okay. and that's when he got picked up and he disappeared. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, that would make sense.
0: But the CE-5 protocols don't necessarily just uh, connect themselves to UFOs. This can be applied to any type of multidimensional consciousness or beings that might exist on the periphery of our understanding of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's the willingness and active participation in order to build those connections is what makes it so interesting. And you see that develop further through the course of Twin Peaks. Now, whether it's... Uh, you know, UFOs or the black lodge, eventually people start making an effort to try to connect and communicate with it. Okay. Cause again, if you ask me angels, demons, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, Mm -hmm. it's all connected.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and that, that's a whole other, that's okay, a, that's a wait, whole ooh, other ooh, rabbit hole. So
2: let's talk about Wyndham then and what Wyndham Earl is trying to do, mm. right? So he is actively trying to destroy everything around him and get revenge, right? So He
0: is L. Ron Hubbard. He, there you go. Oh my God. Wyndham Earl is fucking L. Ron
2: Hubbard. <sighs> he was on Project Blue Book.
0: He was trying to trigger the end of the world.
2: There you go. There you go.
0: Fucking Hubbard. By the way. I remember when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I remember seeing Dianetics from L. Ron Hubbard on my dad's bookshelf. Oh,
2: your dad had it.
0: And I wonder, is that the reason he was such an asshole? I think so.
2: I never read. It. I mean, I'd it. people will try and give it to me. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm I'm just not interested No. Look
0: seriously. If you want to give yourself a good laugh, look into Scientology.
2: It is. I lived in L.A. I don't need to. Oh, clam, I hands, clam hands, clam hands, clam the... hands, and there's stupid bookstores all over the place. The reading room, right? The Scientology reading rooms. No, no, thank you.
0: Yeah, that's that stuff. Absolutely, um, I I can believe in a lot of weird shit. Yeah, but I cannot. I just can't. I just.
2: Well, and I wonder if this was sort mm. of Lynch's FU to that whole thing. Like, I can be successful without you. Because in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that that Lynch was compromised by any of those groups. No,
0: absolutely so not. So, again, is definitely I think this mind. is
2: his way of, you know, thumbing his nose at them um, and exposing more than he should be. Oh, now, he sh- hasn't been punished for it because he's Lynch. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, he also,
0: you know, Scientology controls most of Hollywood, but Lynch is like, you know, fuck Hollywood.
2: <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so that's why. And, and, and again, I think his this is I don't know. I think it these shows and his movies is his uh, disclosure. Right. So in in this instance, he is disclosing uh, what is really going on behind closed doors and the nature of the success of many people um, and the fight between good and evil, the duality, etc. So. Good yeah, call. Crowley as Wendemurl. Not, not Crowley, but uh, Hubbard. Hubbard as Wendemurl. I love our little <laughs> mind blowing moments. That was yeah,
0: yeah, because Wendemurl was a total fucking asshole. Uh, Alistair Crowley was a, a piece of shit, yeah. but he wasn't a total fucking asshole. Like, well, no. <laughs> he had an asshole. Boy, did he ever. Oh, and stop talking everybody, about his everybody asshole. knows about ah. that.
2: <laughs> no more. No more. Um, okay, so back to Richard. That guy's
0: rectum was so loose. When he farted, it was probably just like, Stop.
2: Stop. Black hole. Ah, the infinite and on and on. black hole. Gross. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Um, all right, I'm bringing us back on topic. Behave, uh, sir. Behave. Never. Um, One chance out between two worlds. Firewalk with me. So we've got fire. We've right the owl cave. There's the fire there. There's the um, there's there's fire everywhere, but uh, electricity as well, right?
0: A uh, form Let's talk of fire. About that. Yeah. yeah. So electricity.
2: And does that open up um, portals? There's like what's the significance you think of the of the fire walk with me?
0: I don't know, but I got to do something first.
2: Okay. You, just, you look like you're about to break into song. Please
0: through the darkness of future past the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds fire walk with me
2: oh good job thank you thank Ooh, you you're have the growl at the end <laughs> <laughs> i like the growl
0: um there yeah there is definitely some sort of like spell work going on there uh, within that poem and i Electricity keeps coming up. So, all right, Here, here's here's a theory, okay? Every time it gets brought up, like electricity or something like that, or we start to um, see a little bit more into the world of the Black Lodge, or they start to bleed into our world, mm-hmm. there's always that hum. Yep. Yeah. So... Here's something that I haven't thought about yet. Was he using sacred tones? Using specific tones and vibrations allow the mind to open up in certain Mm -hmm. ways, Mm -hmm. as you already know. And
2: um, When you say he, do you mean Lynch using tones? Yeah. Yeah. Lynch
0: using the tones in those specific scenes Mm -hmm. in order to trigger a physical response from the viewer Mm -hmm. and to have them... Which was why it would make so much sense that you feel more in Twin Peaks than you understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, because all of the subtle symbolism and uh, probably a, a whole considerable amount of subliminal
1: work yeah.
0: being put into it is why you feel affected at certain scenes, mm-hmm. and on those certain scenes, you'll often hear like the hum, the mm-hmm. tone going mm-hmm. on. You know. Ooh. Yeah.
2: That's a little um um. Uh oh gosh, what' just what'm looking for it'll it'll hit me in a minute, yeah, I guess um that is entirely possible uh but that's used throughout soundtracks that's that's a pretty commonly used thing in media to it is sound to do
0: but given his knowledge of uh transcendental meditation and obviously his knowledge of the occult. I think I kind of want to go back and watch a couple of key episodes and some sequences off of Firewalk with me Mm -hmm. and see if they do actually match up with any of the frequencies on the Sacred Tone scale. I think –
2: Do you have something that could measure that? Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll have
0: to get the main computer fixed. Oh, come on, girl. Give it a month. Like blow in
2: the – does that not work? You blow in the grates. Oh, I don't know.
0: I got to buy a whole (laughs) new hard drive, but – but that's that's only going to cost me like 175 and then oh. an afternoon of reinstalling it. So, okay. yeah, we'll be able to bring that beast back up. But, yeah, I got everything that we need to do that. Okay. So I'll be able to patch the audio from the actual film itself and run Beautiful. it through spectrograph and hertz measurement and all that. Let's find out.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's find like out. And if theory. anybody
0: out there has figured this out before us, email us, xVplanus at com. Get in on the conversation, people. But, yeah, there's there's something to that. And um, that, for me, immediately ties back to the concept of electricity or yep. fire or power is that everything's got a frequency. And, obviously, sound and energy take a major place in making these different worlds connect to each other. Yes. Yes. No.
2: Ooh, I like it. hmm Okay.
0: This is this much like uh, – Doing mantra types of, of meditation or using Tibetan singing bowls mm-hmm. to help hone your consciousness at a specific moment in time. I yep. think that's – I think there's a lot of representation in that. I just haven't really delved into that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We're going to make that happen.
2: Okay. I like that. Uh, cool. I think that was all we had for um, for ritual. Well, oh, Hawks.
0: for now.
2: For now, yeah. At the moment. We didn't talk about Hawk's interpretation of the map. Um, oh, and listen yeah, yeah. to the way he talks about it. So when he lays out that, um, it's like on leather or something. It's just beautiful. When, when he lays that out on the table and he starts explaining it, um, we had a note there to talk about the way he or to, to mention the way he talks about it.
0: Yeah. So when, when Hawk pulls it out, he explains that uh, this map is a living
2: map.
1: Yeah.
0: It tells you not only the history, but it tells you the now as well. And he never really goes into great detail on it, but as he's sitting there describing the different things, it, he's the one who uh, explained electricity as possibly being a form of fire. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to to Hawke's interpretation on that. I think we're gonna have to go back and watch that whole sequence again and and like really peel it apart, okay? Because I think there's a lot going on there.
2: I think so too. Well, and it's it's the first time we see the map, right? Because we haven't gone to Owl Cave yet. When you have all the symbolism, you have the aliens in the map, you have the fire, you have the sycamore trees. Um, That's right. It, yeah. there, there's just so much in there. Um, the owls. The owls. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was the busy. other thing, too, um, related to owls and um, the rituals of Saturn and things like that. So they're also associated. And I didn't realize that they're also associated with Saturn. Really? Yeah. Huh. Fun stuff. Go, check the link I'd sent you. and i to put in the notes, too. Oh, owls. Uh, okay, so for Ooh. now we're gonna we're gonna move on from ritual to <laughs> trauma <laughs> Oh man It's like this, this is
0: a depressing fucking episode. Fucking show has a lot of it, man. <laughs> it is
1: heavy. It heavy, is. heavy, heavy, heavy.
0: It is. Ooh. Mm. Trauma, 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 chameleon. <gasps> that's that's actually like unsettling. That's going on but... the
2: greatest hits. That's going on the greatest oh, hits. Oh yes. All right, we gotta yes. make an album. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh. I you know what? I will pay the mechanical license to do parody songs for that. (laughs) We'd probably make a pretty penny off of it. (laughs) But yeah, no, trauma is a huge part of this show. I mean, the whole story kicks off with trauma to a family who just Mm -hmm. lost their daughter from some sort of disturbing thing that takes years to figure out. And when you do find out
2: (laughs) We're traumatized. He traumatizes us.
0: That's true. it's what Lynch is good for. Like, you don't go into any Lynch project <laughs> hoping for a fucking good time. You right? know it's going to be bad. It's going it's to be rough. The only, the only piece of work he ever did that I can honestly say I felt better uh, after I watched it was the one and only movie he did for Disney. What? The Straight Story.
2: Never saw that. Really? Really? The Straight Story. <laughs> I wish y'all oh. could see his face. Oh, my God.
0: It is... So I'm sure you've heard about this story, but like, year, like 20 years ago, there was this guy who was down on his luck. His health was failing. He was not doing well. And he realized that he needed to make amends with his brother because he knew, he knew that he didn't have that much time left. Hmm. Um, but at his age and because of his eyesight, he couldn't get his driver's license. And so he loads up his tractor lawnmower and puts a trailer on it throws his stuff on the back of it and drives across the country to go reconcile with his brother which is about as awkward as something as lynch would do but it's the only movie that he ever did that was really really pure like Mm -hmm. it was sweet it was heartfelt it was dramatic but in more of a family sense as opposed Mm -hmm. to the traumatic sense and um yeah it just it just worked. I'll see if I can find a copy and send that to you. It's, okay. Awesome. It's David Lynch making a PG movie. Let that sink in for just one second.
2: But is it Lynchy at all? It is. It's, okay, good. It good. is. Okay, right, no, okay. it's
0: Lynchy in the sense that every damn character in that movie reminds you of, you know, he has this obsession with awkward older people. Yes. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is. It's Richard Yay. Farnsworth and Sissy Spacek. I, I mean, love,
2: how did I miss that? It was I, I thought I'd seen every movie she'd ever done.
0: It's it's really wow. under the radar. Okay. Like people didn't appreciate it that much. But mm, I'm gonna. Yeah, 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 you will. You'll you'll absolutely love okay. it. But not for the drama. On to the trauma.
2: Oh, all right. We're gonna begin. The list is long. Uh, let's start with poor Annie. How's Annie? <laughs> I'm fine once Aha. a year. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that I'm finally.
2: So uh, her trauma, we just get little drips and drops of it, the the suicide, right? So her and, her and, and Cooper are sitting mm-hmm. at the bar as their relationship is starting to bud. and He notices she, the scars. Yeah, she reaches out to get the drink and notices the scar. And do you want to talk about it? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a handful. I'm difficult to work with, that kind of thing. They're, they're doing their little romantic dance. So we do find out uh, that she was in the convent. And it's interesting. I rewatched that last night for other reasons for the alpa part yeah oh. so um she is talking about her experience walking through the world now right so she's been in this convent for i don't know how many years but at least a, a, you know four or five years right. yeah. and she's seeing and he says i wish i could see the world through your eyes because she's seeing them like a newborn She's an adult, right? Clearly she's I guess early 20s, maybe mid 20s, but she's missed out on so much of the world by being closed off in this convent that yeah. she is trying to understand how how to deal with human emotion and again like a newborn.
0: Yeah, how do um, you connect with people and Yeah, you know.
2: yeah. So it, it um so her trauma um we assume that she's overcome it but she had she had attempted suicide and i believe it was over a relationship right? a relationship that had ended so she says i don't want I don't, to i don't know that i can trust or go down that path again
0: yeah, she was really vague about it yep. but it, you it, she alludes to it yeah. more than likely being a failed romantic uh, relationship
2: so that's what we get for the first part of annie and then she has this little blissful sailboat you know with cooper rowing and kissing and you know having a lovely time (laughs) and the poor fucking girl gets kidnapped and sent to the black lodge and then she's living between two worlds and
0: which uh immediately throws cooper back into his own repeat trauma so there's another correlation between annie and cooper (laughs) Annie just got through this traumatic experience mm-hmm. and and um, this experience that allowed her to somewhat heal, and now mm-hmm. she's back out into the world and immediately, boom, slams right back into yeah. trauma. Cooper finally dealing or uh, you know finally coming to terms with the death of uh, Caroline,
1: Caroline
0: and finds himself at a place where he's willing to open his heart up to someone else again for the first time in a long time, and bam, yeah. like it's just.
2: She's taken away again.
0: Again. Again. But to be fair, Coop, you should have been up front. Just saying.
2: Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, there's a, a concept in the in the Buddhism that I practice. There's a concept that in this life, if you do not deal with something karmically, it, it follows carries. you to the ne- right, follows you to the next life. And I'm sure that's a, that exists in, in many sects of Buddhism. But that's it's an important thing because in order to truly face something, um, you have to. And this actually goes to a book I read years and years ago called "Dark Side of the Light Chasers." which is owning the parts of yourself that make you really upset when you see them in someone else. It's part of you that you just can't acknowledge. Um, and so by Cooper not really dealing with the death of Caroline, not going to therapy, right? He, he, it, I, we never hear about him actually taking any time for himself and oh. processing it. The yeah. guilt over it being his partner's wife. And two, exactly. the guilt of her being murdered, he doesn't ever, and you'd think he would talk through it in the tapes to Diane, right? That's a version of therapy for him, but he doesn't clearly address it or forgive himself. I think that's a huge part of it too, he is the He definitely has not so forgiven
0: himself. So that's why it
2: repeats. I, I think that's why it repeats for him with Annie, that he goes through that traumatic event again, he attaches, falls in love, and that person is taken away from him. Yeah. Man. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's a rough run.
2: It is. It is. But, and maybe, well, that's, that's going to be a season three thing. But also, well, um, who in
0: the fuck would actually marry Wyndham Earl? Is like, <laughs>
2: sorry. Well, he's brilliant. Anybody who appreciates, a, I mean, hey, I, I, I have mind sex with my husband all the time because he's brilliant. But there, there, there's an attraction that happens intellectually between people. So I'm sure he put on a, a a grand show of being a normal fucking person.
0: Honestly, the intellectual attraction is what I was referring to because I would be fucking horrified. Oh, there's no way he was like, yes,
2: (laughs) here's what I really do in my pastime, Caroline. Fuck. No, I
1: don't
2: doubt he was honest. But that's, that's a true psychopath is being able to be multiple people. Yeah, it's true. Right. And yeah. he was a real one. Whereas you look at Leland, poor Leland was a normal, lovable, wonderful song and dance kind of guy who has this other side of him because he's actually possessed. Right. Wyndham was not possessed. Wyndham was just dark and black and horrible person. Yeah. You no, know, he
0: was uh, He was dark to begin with. So mm-hmm. fucking L. Ron Hubbard, man.
2: <laughs> well, we don't know if that is a psychological. Disability, or if he was traumatized as a child somehow, like these things just don't show up unless either of those two things have happened.
0: I think they hinted that uh up until it was uh, if, if I remember correctly and and again, please feel free to correct us uh, or you feel free to correct me if if I get this wrong. But I think it was hinted at that whenever wyndham first joined Blue Book, he was very gifted, highly respected. Everybody appreciated his work, but it was like a slow descent. The further he got into everything, the more he lost his mind. Mm. And it just got worse and worse. And it wasn't until they booted him off that he just fucking dove in head first. Because by that point, he had discovered the, at least the lore, the understanding of the Black Lodge and multiple dimensions, things like that. When he
2: became obsessed with it.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So I wonder God, it what like it was. But I wonder what it was <laughs> that triggered him into this descent into madness and darkness. It's almost like you think about Lord of the Rings, it, right? Hey, my precious, it, was it became Coop an obsession. And Caroline, no, th- again, yeah, that was a traumatic event to find out your wife Where, was cheating he, on you. He
0: was, he was on the descent, like already. But whenever he found out about them, that's when he snapped. Like because he killed her. Yeah, and then from then he just went on full insane. I think that's what it was. I think it was, uh, I think he was just like walking the threshold for so Mm -hmm. long. And then this one event in his personal life, which he has obviously not been paying attention to because of his obsession, that's, this comes into light and it just pushes what's left of the him in in this world right over the edge. Okay. And I think that's what happened.
2: All right. I like your theory. I'll accept that. It
0: makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Cause he, I, he definitely holds a whole lot of vengeance and, uh. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: It, it's driving the whole, you know, second half of, of season two mm-hmm. is him. <laughs> poor Leo with the collar. Actually, oh. I, I don't know why I'm saying oh. poor Leo, but like seeing anybody who's got a shot collar on is, you just got to feel for him.
0: Oh, and the big oaf <laughs> tried to redeem himself right at the end. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no redeeming.
0: No, there's, there's not, but I- it was it was it was nice to see him try to do something good just once yeah. out of the whole fucking series. Well, yeah.
2: when he lays the cards down, when he's going through his plan for for the Miss Twin Peaks, and Leo reacts—I mean, even though half of his brain is fried—he he reacts when he sees Shelly in sort of a protective way. It's like, dude, it's too late.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you fucked that one up.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That ship has sailed. Um. So let's talk about Sarah Palmer. Oh, Speaking of trauma, God, this poor lady. What the
0: hell? All right, so we're we're going to break the rule again and remind everybody cuz all of y'all all of you have seen this by this point. If you're listening to us, then you're geeking out on the series just like we are, hence the title of the subseries Twin Geeks. Thanks for joining us and please feel free to geek out with us. But her trauma started way before the series ever did. Mm-hmm. And we find out about that in the the return, third season, that uh she was directly assaulted by the other side
1: mm-hmm.
0: or whatever you want to call it. But her descent is very unique in like between her beginnings and the last thing that we see from her.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um,
0: but I got to admit, like her, her character was the hardest to watch
1: for me. Uh,
0: Cause when she was, Deep in mourning for most of the first season, or all of the first season, a fair amount of the second. Those sobs and those cries felt very, very real. Like there was, yeah, yeah.
2: She's a wonderful. I mean, she's been in a ton of stuff, but
0: you know, that's his ex-wife, Lynch's. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. And she still works with him all the time. I well, love that it.
2: says who he is as a person, then. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. wow. But yeah, her it is. It's her reaction to, and she's also she's being manipulated by Leland, right? He's drugging her, and there's not, I, I yep. won't call him Leland. I'll call him Bob. It's not Leland at that point, right? So mm-hmm. also you have to think about how much of this did she know that was going on that that Leland was was um, was doing this. Um, she had to have known something. Right, and then she gets terrorized by Bob, right? We talked in the previous episode about those who can see Bob, the um, gifted and the damned.
0: And this dives into, uh, before we go into the gifted and the damned, mm-hmm. this also dives into a lot of uh, a bit of a a plague of household mentality that mm-hmm. was going on between the 80s and the 90s. And everybody wanting to pretend like we live in Mayberry and everybody turning a blind eye mm-hmm. to things that were going on within their own house. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear a lot about that from... Uh, a lot of abuse over the years, obviously, um, but that's something you hear a lot about. Is is that you have this almost picture perfect home? Father is abusing one of the children. Mother turns an eye mm-hmm. or drowns herself out of being able to, yeah. to process it, and uh, or vice versa. Like it's well,
2: and she also knew. She had to have known. Every mother knows. Mine did when I was doing stupid stuff, smoking, drinking, going out with boys that was too old. Mm. You know, motorcycles coming to pick her up. In Laura's case, it was—I don't know that she—it was a motorcycle, right? But I didn't. But he was the only good guy. (laughs) But who? I don't know that she would have known that Laura was prostituting herself, right? From Horn's department store. Uh, I don't know if she knew about the cocaine and all the things that Laura was into. But a mother has a sense, Um, so she had to have known her daughter was really struggling. But you never see Sarah getting involved in any way to try to help.
0: But it would have been really subtle because if you if you look at the the way that it lays out, Laura was really really fucking good at covering her tracks. Now, mm. granted, it's a small town, and even if she didn't die somewhere a year from then, it would have yeah, it would have shown up, and things would have fallen apart. But. She did really really good at playing the the perfect daughter and prom queen type character mm-hmm. and then like multiple personalities almost mm-hmm. when nighttime comes the flip uh, the switch flips and she becomes a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see her get involved with all of that stuff the prostitution the drugs um the mani- mani- blah, 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 manipulation of people. Yeah. Um
2: but Sarah, no, because there's a distinct, and I think it was in Firewalk with me. But they're sitting at the at the dining room table. They're having breakfast or something, and Laura is shaking, and Leland is totally messing with her, messing with her head. And Sarah gets you know very upset and starts screaming, "Leland, leave her alone! Leave her alone!" But that's about it. That's all that Sarah did. So she has been, um, her power's been sucked out of her somehow. Uh, so maybe, you know, once Laura dies, there's a, there's gotta be a ton of guilt. Like, why didn't I do something? And that could also be part of the, the screaming and the yelling and the wailing is the guilt that she felt for not intervening more in her daughter's life.
0: Well, if you, like I, I use my own home life as a comparison. Uh, if, if, if my dad were acting like that towards me, like incredibly intensely aggressive, it Mm would have taken up to that point for my mom to, to. Interact. Mm-hmm. It's just the dynamics were. My dad was a scary guy, mm. and um, even though Leland wasn't most of the time, that was a fucking horrifying moment. Yeah, like, show me your hands.
1: Yeah, they're not clean. Yeah,
0: that was incredibly unsettling. Mm-hmm. But, um, but with Sarah, we got to remember, like she she's got damage from earlier before, and here's here's the other thought. What if whatever was inside her was somewhat sedating her, mm. or essentially being her own antipsychotic yeah. medication, where just don't Care about yeah. anything? Yep,
2: yep, yeah, deactivating her um, instinct to to protect and, and to take action. Mm-hmm. Well, and you see it in her breakdown too later on, right? The yeah, her, her complete descent into into mental chaos but when laura was still alive when she could have done something she almost doesn't except yell and cry a little bit but she doesn't get involved much um and so you know when you when you have an opportunity to take action and you don't there is a cause and effect to that so she made the cause by not getting involved and the effect is she loses her daughter and she has to deal with with the ramification of that because she didn't take the action she should have that's my view of it, um, and I think that's why she continues to be traumatized. But she's also she's a great victim. Oh
0: my god! Oh well, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: it's it's draining to watch.
0: It is, it is, and and yeah, I there's there's the uh, you know again the duality of all these characters. There are two sides of her. There's one that is genuinely grieving for this loss that she has gone through, but there's something else in there too. Yep, yep, and it's having a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's like splitting her apart. Mm. So that's obviously the, uh, the center Palmer of all of the trauma in this show. But now we get to go on to the dream queen herself.
2: You start Laura,
0: Laura Palmer, prom queen, um, straight A student, uh daddy's little girl, the, the perfect all American blonde hair, blue eyed stereotype. During the day. Mm-hmm. But as soon as night falls, there's cocaine. There is considerable amount of sex, some for pay. And um, a whole lot of sinister, weird shit.
2: Yeah, there's sex with Leo. Not Leo. Um, uh, Jacques. Jacques. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. And, and in it, and it is- her initiating. Bite the
0: bullet, baby. Ugh, I will never. Bite the bullet.
2: <laughs> and they do that close up of his mouth. And I, know, goes, I know. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> oh, Why oh, I mean, was it just because that was where she was getting her drugs from? It was Bobby. And then Bobby fails in that mission to, oh, get, no, to get her the, 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 the coke. I'm
0: pretty sure when it came to Jacques and Leo, that was paid arrangement type of stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't. I mean, obviously, Jacques was helping Laura run her own little mini prostitution yeah. scheme. So there's a good probability that there was some sort of an arrangement there. So that that could have been it as well. Okay. But Laura knew what she was doing. Like, oh, for and, sure. You know, it wasn't all good, but she she knew what she was doing. So I'm pretty sure that the night that she was killed, I'm pretty sure that that was a paid arrangement for uh-huh. the four of them to get together.
2: Well, it's actually just making me think. So she is um uh enacting her power and control over men because she doesn't have that when Bob is around. Right? So she has no power or control over Bob, so maybe that is why she goes so far aggressively into the sexual where she's in charge.
0: <clears throat> yes. Yeah, I think you're I think you're 100% right. I mean, cuz um Bob, through Leland, torments her at home where she is supposed to feel her most safe and yeah. secure. And when that's shattered, you tend typically go one of two ways. You either luckily find another path to that or you start to become the terror yourself mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and gain control over the situation that you can't. Yep. Um, if one part of your life is completely overwhelmed, then you will certainly do an aggressive takeover on the other on side. Something else. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. That's part of why when I, I feel stressed out at work, I clean things. <laughs> that's what I do. as my best friend and I say laundry therapy.
0: <laughs> I um, I don't get stressed at work anymore. It's
2: so weird. You get stressed in life though, so don't. Like, oh when yeah, you're I feeling, get super when stressed when you feel in life. out of control, and that's what Laura was. She was out of control. The the best thing that you could be doing is something that you know you can have a hundred percent control of, and that feels good to you. So for Laura. That was dominating men and using her feminine wiles to get whatever the hell she wanted.
0: Also cocaine.
2: Also cocaine.
0: Lots of cocaine. Yeah. yeah. That's what she wanted. So, spoiler alert here. But again, as I said, if you haven't watched the show, you should not be listening to us. So, turn it off. So, we all know how this ends. And that ends with um, Leland, possessed by Bob, has been abusing... Sexually abusing Laura for years since she was twelve—is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all comes to a head. I never really understood why Bob hit that point where now you have to die. Now it's time to die.
2: Someone's telling him. I don't think he's in charge. Oh no! no. Right, at some point you have you to think commit the sacrifice. Telling Bob. Yeah. Really? Yeah. At some point you have to commit the sacrifice. Judy. Jauday. The mom, the mother. But I think that, and that's why when I came in today, I was talking about the sacrifice because they did see Laura as she sacrificed herself. And she was seen as, again, it goes back to ritualistic stuff, but but, uh, sacrifices are part of that. So at some point, Bob, maybe he felt threatened by her. Like, all right, if I let this girl get any more powerful, I'm going to lose to her. She's going to kill me. So now is the moment before she gets to peak power that I could still have a chance to kill her. Yeah. Okay. My, that's my theory on it.
1: That
0: makes sense.
2: Because she's growing. And again, if uh, you think about her her origin and why she was brought into Twin Peaks, um, is she a balancer, right? So she was the, the power of the strength, the one who resisted Bob, who didn't let Bob take over her, right? Bob's looking for another host. For some reason, Leland yeah. wasn't doing it for him. So he now wanted Laura as his host. And she was resisting she and resisting it. and resisting. Yeah. So again, I think she was getting to the point where almost being powerful enough to destroy him. So he had to destroy her. And she let it happen.
0: Is the reason that Bob was so easily able to possess Coop, was that, was that because of his state of weakness? Or was it because he was in the Black Lodge? Because of the whole doppelganger thing.
2: Well, Coop's not stupid, but he, I mean, he didn't spend a lot of time in the Black Lodge, so you can't navigate through it if you don't want to. He didn't understand it. I don't think he truly understood it. So that's po- probably why he was, he was an easy mark. Yeah. Um, And also because he was so distracted by Annie, he was doing no protection of himself. How's Annie? Oh, but that's why, that's why, <laughs> he, that's why he ran in there. So yeah. that probably is why um, it's easy mark. What's your? What do you think?
0: Part of me thinks it was a a setup at this point. Mm. Like the Black Lodge's influence on Wyndham in order to intercept Annie and get her to the Black Lodge. It almost seems like the Black Lodge was planning that.
2: Or Bob doing the bidding, right? Using Wyndham to do, do his bidding.
0: Yes. Yeah. Manipulating him in different ways as opposed to possessing him to set this up.
2: Yeah. Ooh, I like that.
0: Because they wanted Coop. Like, they they wanted Coop for some reason or another. Or Bob did. And I guess it becomes apparent in season three. Mm -hmm. Although I would have expected him to be more like a, you know, multi-million dollar kingpin by that point. It was 25 years. Mr. C's is keeping him too low-key. He's got to go big.
2: He didn't want him hitting on the radar. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. He, He didn't want to be on anybody's radar.
0: But yeah, Laura, Laura got put through the ringer, not only from Leland, but how that distorted or um, you know, kind of fractured her ability to, uh, to grow and to function like a normal human being. And so she had to adapt however she could. Yeah. And that's what makes her such a tragic character mm-hmm. is the one place that she should be able to find support from for what she's going through. She can't mm-hmm. because Bob in Leland.
2: Um, that's why donna's house was i mean she goes there a couple of times in the show and and that was a place of just pure joy and she could relax she could be herself um so not in the show whenever there's a flashback or in firewalk with me um and she she goes over to donna's house that was the safe place her home definitely wasn't
0: oh yeah no well in um uh the few times that uh we see doc hayward interact with Mm -hmm. lauren flashbacks it it was pretty obvious that you know, he looked at her like a second daughter. Yeah. It was like, come and go as you please, whatever.
2: Very paternal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't think she had enough of that. Because everybody was trying to get something from her, right? Um,
0: yeah, and that's that's the one place that she could go that she never, ever had to deal with that.
2: Yeah, feel like she was being used for something. Yeah. Um, like uh, Harold, right? Yeah, Harold. even Harold yeah. was. Yep. Yeah. Everybody used her.
0: Hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody but the Haywards are kind of pieces of shit, to be honest, like in uh, certain levels, you know,
2: out for themselves or they had something to gain from it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Maybe not
2: Maddie. Was Maddie real?
0: Right. Didn't we talk
2: about this last time? Hmm. <laughs> I would like to to know other theories on that as well if, if Maddie was real or a figment was of was a fucking Tulpa, man. Maddie was mm-hmm. a Tulpa. hmm <laughs> Um, how about Margaret, the log lady? So <laughs> how she loses her husband, um, you know, two minutes after after they're married. Um and but in that in that trauma she which of course she lives the rest of her life alone in a cabin in the woods um uh, but she also she gets to see many things mm-hmm. and communicate with another dimension through her log aka her husband so i don't know if everybody's read the the book but it does go on to explain that um that they meet they fall in love. They get married at a beautiful ceremony, and then there's this massive fire that happens in the woods. And because her husband was a was on the volunteer fire squad or whatever, he goes to he goes to put the fire out, and he ends up dying in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that's left, I think you'd shared this, the only thing that's left in the forest is that log after the fire. Yeah, it, it stood out. It survived. But yeah, so poor Margaret. And then, well, we won't talk about season three. <laughs> Never mind. Things don't end well for Margaret, um, but it does in her case. She gets a gift out of it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Her her trauma ends up triggering something inside of her uh, connection to something outside the uh, the the normal scope of what we would call the human experience. And I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily say that she's directly in touch with uh, alternate dimensions, but she's definitely in touch with the remnants of her husband. And that husband is obviously in a different place. And so there's this subtler feed of information which mm-hmm. is why margaret leaves all of these clues but she has no full answers for mm. anyone you know because she's only getting a fraction of the
2: story oh yeah that's true that's yeah. true well and she is abducted as a child so right she's got the matching tattoo the inverse of of um uh,
0: Major Briggs. Major Briggs. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the UFO abduction marker.
2: So she goes missing on like a Girl Scout trip or something. There are a couple of abductions happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was also abducted, and I wonder if that's what put her on this this path to be able to communicate with her husband.
0: Now, see here, here, here's where I start to like raise an eyebrow about the whole abduction thing, Project Blue Book and alternate dimensions thing. What if it's all the same thing? So it's not these are not separate incidents. So you didn't get abducted. You just made a wrong turn and you walked through the wrong batch of sycamore trees. <laughs> <laughs> turn left, turn left. <laughs> always keep left in the black lodge, by mm. the way. Always go left. Mm. Go left. Um
2: Ooh, why is that?
0: Left hand path. Dun, dun, dun. Ah, which we're also gonna get back into mm. here in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it go, so so stepping out of Twin Geeks for a moment and into, like, my paranormal research, like, I've told you, like, I think all of that shit is connected. Mm-hmm. Just like I think all the shit in Twin Peaks is connected. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's these separate things of you have UFOs, you have multidimensional beings, and you have demons. No, it's, it's all the same thing. It's all a matter of who you are, where you are, how you're perceiving them, and how it interacts with you. Mm-hmm. So Black Lodge, White Lodge, same thing. Alien abductions? Nah, I don't think so. I think that was literally the lodge, like, opening up at a moment's notice. And so, so there are specific places that the path to the lodge opens up, given by date and star position, as we already yes, know. Yes, But who's to say that they can't just pull a zipper whenever they want and be like, come on in. And yeah. But that one time when the stars align, right? Uh, we can get in without the use of magic or... Yes.
2: Yeah. So, it's open for anybody to be able to, to exactly. walk If they know the coordinates. Yeah. So, right, so if you're themselves. talking
0: about yeah. advanced beings in a different dimension, they're probably going to have their tricks for getting in and out whenever they want, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe. I like your theory. I like your theory. Um, and uh, I was actually just thinking about... Um, so trauma either becoming um, a... Lead weight in your life, or it catapulting you into um having a new gift or a trigger. A, a, yeah. right a, a benefit that comes out of it for you um and obviously almost every character in this goes through trauma, right Harry Harry Truman goes through it um
0: that's right
2: yeah we've we've forgotten about Harry We haven't talked about him very much. Audrey. I think we've neglected Audrey way too much.
0: I think you're right, but I think Audrey's just gonna deserve her whole own episode. Like Yeah, she went through some shit. The uh the whole thing at One Eye Jacks was Oh my horrific. god, with her dad. And and that was just the beginning yeah. of it and everything else that she went through afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm. I was
0: so happy to see that she survived the uh the bank blast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really upset that we don't have more information on what's going on with her now. Not I mean, we got idea. a little bit in the book, but.
2: Not enough. Not, not. nearly enough. No. Um, but, and then she has the, she falls in love with this wonderful man that her dad also likes. He's falling in love with her. They have this magical moment on an airplane, and poof, off he goes to Brazil. Billy Zane. Billy Zane with those perfect teeth. Um, mm-hmm. And the, he was wearing hair plugs. Can we just talk about that? Wait, that was a wig or something. Was it? Go back and look at the scenes. No, I will. I That's will. not his hair. That's not his hair. He was
0: already bald then. You think?
2: I think so. <laughs> it doesn't look like you. You can't quite see that. You know, some of the you can you can see the, like Billy Bob Thornton. It's, it's you can too Frank little... Sinatra
0: perfect. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, and it sort of flops. So, yeah, it's a yeah. tope There's very... a little bit
0: of Trumpish.
2: <laughs> there's, tra-
0: Trumpish hairstyle there's there.
2: A and then there was a scene where he literally is. He's wearing this big bulky sweater and he's tucked it into his corduroy pants. It's, oh, it's so bad. I'll give you the episode number. It's so bad. It's the one that I watched yesterday, and she walks into his room with a breakfast tray, and she's, like, flirting with the water, and he's wearing this big, bulky sweater tucked into his corduroy pants. Oh, tucked. man, 90s, 90s. 90s. It's, it's the most 90s thing you'll see. And
0: the early 90s, which was really, really, really bad, bad. Really bad, yeah. really bad. Yeah, 93, 94 started to lighten up a little bit, at least we... <sighs>
2: The acid wash had started to to settle down a little bit. <laughs> and then we got into
0: ripped uh, ripped knees. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah. Grunge movement. Mm. <laughs> Which much better huge.
2: than than eighties. So yeah, uh, we have Audrey that that clearly has some some trauma in her life, and then um, I mean, again, you name a character, Nadine, Ed, Ed Norma. Uh, the, the Norma.
0: I had a Their story, trauma. like that's just one train wreck after another.
2: But nobody me. gets away without having... Shelly. Shelly has trauma. Yeah. Right? From Leo. Even Bobby. So every one of these characters... Name one that was unscathed from trauma in their life. Direct trauma. Nobody.
0: Um, mm-hmm. You're digging. No, no. <laughs> the... Uh... Oh, mm-hmm. God. Was it Heidi?
2: Oh, my gosh. Hee! <laughs> Yes, exactly. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe,
0: Yes, that's the only one. The waitress
2: one. who has zero speaking lines in the entire fucking series <laughs> is the one that you're going to cite? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so. all right, you win, you win. <laughs> one character with zero lines. Or maybe she, oh, she comes in late one time and they give her some shit and I think she has one or two words. Okay, I'll give you Heidi. Jeez,
0: man, jeez. The pie.
2: The pie has no trauma.
0: The pie is a fucking character in Twin Peaks, so you can't deny that at <laughs> Everybody all. Everybody loves it. You're Everybody right, loves it. the pie. So.
2: <laughs> You're right. All right. You get pie and you get Heidi. That's right. it out of all the characters.
0: Beyond that, yes, I got to agree. Okay. Everybody goes through the ringer. It's it's pretty rough.
2: Okay. So trauma, big theme. Um, now, uh, we've got multiple dimensions. So couple things to talk about here.
0: Excuse me one second. Let me uh, take a couple of hits of acid. We'll get back to this in just a second. No.
1: <laughs>
2: Close your eyes. Go to the rainbow place. Oh, man. Yeah. So first, well, that actually, well, let's let's save that for next time because that's a season three. Time travel. All right. So we're talking about dimensions. Time is a dimension. Mm-hmm. Is time real to David Lynch?
0: I don't think so. Um he seems to like everything to exist in some sort of dystopian version of the mid fifties or early sixties. It's weird to say the least. He, uh, he also has no relevance for uh structured storytelling. He
2: mm-hmm. likes to
0: tell things out of order and he likes to shake it up a little bit. And uh, more often than not, he likes to show you three or four different, coexisting things happening at one time that may or may not be related or may or may not be different versions of the same thing. Mm. No, I don't think time exists for him at all. Okay. No.
2: So it doesn't get to exist for us when we're in his world.
0: Definitely um, not. And we see that at the end of the return. Yeah. Like we literally see a, uh, we're, we're not gonna go too far into it, but it's definitely not a time travel thing, but it is definitely a time course correction moment. Mm-hmm. it's, Fucking weird is what it is.
2: Well, it it goes back to to the to the dimensions, right? So there are there's so many theories on this, but um, in terms of dimensions, we are able to. There's there's the ability to travel, but any of us can do it. You know, there's multiple versions of ourselves. There's there's infinite potentiality that exists within every one of us. So mm. every time we're making a decision, every mm. split second we have we, the potential to turn left at this stop sign or right at that stop yeah, sign. String
0: theory, basically. Yeah. Spreading out. Yeah.
2: Yes. So for for him. Um, he likes to confuse his audience, I think, with, mm. with uh, multiple timelines and where, I'm, and to disorient us. I think is is a big one too, because that makes us feel more like the characters. It makes it a, a more immersive experience. Running through the woods, being scared, flashlights. Um, yeah, I don't. I
0: don't think he's trying to disorient us on purpose. Uh, I don't really think it's it's like a motive for him, and and. It is an open challenge to view time differently. I'm so glad that we tapped Mm -hmm. into this because this actually brings us back to Annie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Laura dreaming Mm -hmm. about her and writing it in her diary months before any of that ever happened Mm -hmm. or or possibly even a whole year at that point, I think, in the course of the story. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, time functions differently when your consciousness is out of this buckled down meat bag (laughs) pilot thing that we're dealing with you know we're a bunch of bones and meat Mm -hmm. traveling through space at the speed of light there you go good times
2: having a having a conscious experience Mm. um so we we've in so and we get into multiple dimensions more in season three and there's a lot more of that 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 happens than there is in, in one or two so i'm struggling to think just in terms of of seasons one and two but we have and I won't call them visitations, but Cooper is able to travel between multiple worlds, right? Mm-hmm. So he has these dreams, these visions from right. the firemen. Um, and I think that is – it helps him significantly on his journey because he's – in the Tibetan thing as well, right? So he's able to commune and – he never meditates, but um, I think he does what's called astral plane travel while he's dreaming. So mm. he is able to – he's not doing it um, intentionally, I don't think, but his subconscious is saying, okay, I'm going to help you solve this thing.
0: He's naturally in tune to yeah. do things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So he that's a massive gift that he has. and No other character in the show has where they can interact with entities in other dimensions um, and get answers to their questions.
0: Only Laura.
2: What questions does she get answered, and guidance does she get from the no, no,
0: that's not that was not her connection to the Black Lodge, so that's not what she got, but <clears> what <throat> what she got was terror, yeah, yeah, but she was the only other person who was having like um premonition visions and direct connections to the the lodge and its inhabitants before she died
2: ooh, um, there is another one uh the one armed man. Right, so he has he has complete recollection, right, of his life or the dimension that exists with him and Bob above the convenience store. Where drawer. I had to cut my arm off. Yes, yeah. Uh so he has, and that's why he takes the haloperidol is to to. You know, shut that part of him up. Um,
0: So is schizophrenia just our other multidimensional selves trying to bleed in?
2: And is that why they've been telling us not to acknowledge it and drug those that have schizophrenia? Because they're truthers? They're the real truthers? (laughs) I don't know.
0: know. Uh, Total disclaimer, we know nothing uh, on that level. So it's just talking shit here, folks.
2: Maybe they're the smart ones and we're the morons. I don't know. They, they've, they've seen things that we haven't but um i do think so um mike or whatever there's he's like 10 different names one-armed man uh is is another one that has that gift of being able to um at least remember and take yeah. insight from because he's the one who helps coop get the information about bob he's who educates them
0: okay so oh wow hmm. okay this is cracking open an egg here okay so Mike is a different version of himself on multiple dimensions, right?
1: Mhm.
0: And the arm is as well. Mm-hmm. It becomes its own person. Mm-hmm. So it's a part of Mike that has become something else. We have seen the woodsman show up in multiple dimensions. Mm-hmm. Bob Came from the tear whenever the atomic bomb went off. Mm-hmm. He's not from this set of dimensions. Is that what's going on?
2: Is that why he can float? No. Um, I don't know what he floats between all of them. We see him or hear mention of him in, in all of the dimensions that were ever shown in Twin Peaks or in the universe of Twin Peaks. So I don't know which one actually birthed him.
0: Well, no, what, what I mean is, uh, so uh, you take a look at Mike. He exists here in a uh, physical sense, and he also exists in very much in the same sense in the Black Lodge. Yeah. And he could potentially exist elsewhere.
2: He does. That's his life with Bob. That's the dimension he's out with Bob when they're running around killing people and doing terrible things. He used to be Bob's partner. So that's another dimension. We never get to see it.
0: So I guess what I'm asking is, like, why have we not seen the physical representation of Bob, the mirror image of Bob in this world, in this universe where the show?
1: Hmm.
2: Because uh, I don't know that he is actually in physical form. He had to have been with Mike in that dimension where they're running around as you know, their own people. Yeah, it's true. We never, he's just inhabitant or we see him in mirrors or, you know, little visions here and there in Laura's bedroom.
0: Whereas you actually have like- There's
2: no three-dimensional thing you can touch and feel like a, you can with with Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or with uh, some of the other- So maybe characters.
2: he's not allowed to incarnate in any other dimension. I don't know.
0: Ooh. Or there's restrictions to it because the only uh, the only this world version of the fireman we get is the, the old man waiter. The waiter, yeah. Coffee. 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 Coffee? Coffee.
2: Yes. So ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The little feet shuffling. Oh, he's so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it takes him 20 minutes to walk down that highway, or it's highway like the, hallway, the, while Coop's dying.
0: It's like the perfect broom mustache, mm-hmm. too. Like he's keep... dying. Yes, I know.
2: He just hangs up the phone. He's calling 911. So, all right, I like your, your theory there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Coop gives the thumbs up back. just like. Guy, guy, guy. Ask for help. So <laughs> the theory then is that Bob, for some reason, is not allowed to incarnate in a th- as a three-dimensional entity, human being. He can in only possess. This, he can only possess. Yeah. Who comes up with those rules? The dreamer? <laughs> yes.
0: yes. All right, the dreamer is its own three-episode stretch towards the end of this.
2: Uh,
0: But you know what? We want to know what you think. Who is the dreamer of this dream? Me. Email us at xvplanis at gmail.com. Okay. All right, we're going to close it out then um beth thank you again so much for joining me uh and thank you for letting me dive even further into this fucking rabbit hole which definitely took us way off course but everybody else who geeks out about this show just as much as i do is gonna fucking love it so we're all good
2: and we have so much homework (laughs) oh my gosh, we have so much homework
0: it is no it's very very true and i am reaching out to all of you my occultist friends my filmmaker friends uh, let's make a group conversation about this. Uh, let's help us decode Twin Peaks because there is too much insanity for only two people <laughs> to fucking process that I'm losing my shit. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Sorry, I had to to deliver my Oscar uh, delivering <laughs> It's on the way. It's in the mail. <laughs> ah. All right. Well, uh, to close it up... Um, By the time this episode comes out, we'll probably have the next two recorded, uh, but those might have a little bit of delay because I am taking a break in January. Um, But uh, beyond that, don't forget to follow us, uh, XV Planus, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, on... Twitter, on Instagram, pretty much everywhere. You know the usual routine. Just go click on the link. I have a link tree. It sends you to all of the places. Come and interact with us. Come and join the conversation. Let's get weird with us. Beth, do you have anything to add before we close this out?
2: Oh, thank you again for another mind-bending afternoon
0: yeah oh. every time we walk into this and thinking we have a plan it descends into <laughs> madness like halfway through because we realize fuck it just keeps going it
2: does epiphanies, yeah. epiphanies so it makes epiphanies it so much fun
0: alright well thank you for joining me and uh, we will see you next time and y'all stay weird out there This podcast is produced in Durham, North Carolina, and was recorded, edited, and scored by yours truly. Original music from the series can be found under my musical moniker, Folds and Floods. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and everywhere else as XVPlanus. And you can follow my personal accounts and music at Folds and Floods. Click on the link tree in the show for quick access to all of the above. XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just heard, visit www.tgmpodcastnetwork.com. That's www.tgmpodcastnetwork.com. Once again, I am your host, Flood. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. Keep your hearts soft, your heads strong, and your spirits weird and wonderful. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I'll see you in the between. XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, please visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com.